Um, you know, as we talk about, we've been kind of in this series the last three or four weeks looking at this prophecy that was given in the, by the prophet Isaiah some 980 years before Jesus ever showed up and before the very first Christmas. And now, I know there's different folks in the room, and you may be a person that's like, hey, I'm all into Christmas, all, all into this Jesus, and maybe you're here and someone invited you, and I think it's awesome that you're here. And if you're, maybe you're still struggling trying to figure this out and, and kind of understand this spiritual journey a little bit for yourself and to own that. And, and I'm really proud of you for being here because I know it takes courage coming to a new place. And and one of the things that we want to be as a church is for people, a space and a place for people to investigate who Jesus is. And what Isaiah wrote about so many years before this very first Christmas was a declaration, some titles of what this Messiah, this Jesus would be. And so we've been looking at that a little bit and we come to this notion of what Carol talked about and just kind of mentioned here, this Prince of Peace. Now I want you to think about the word peace that we understand in English, right? Get your mind around that a little bit. Maybe you think of a fireplace. And, and I don't know how many of you grew up, uh, probably not here in Arizona, but you grew up somewhere where you grew up uh, around a fireplace at some point. Anyone? Okay, a few of you. Was this peaceful setting? I mean, if you didn't have brothers and sisters trying to push you in the fire or something like that, but like, it's just kind of being around the fire, maybe it was a campfire. Maybe for some of you, you go hunting, you're out there, you're in a campfire, and it's just the stars at night, and there's something about a fire that's going that you can gather around, whether you're toasting marshmallows or whether you're just drinking coffee, whether you're just kind of settled in. There's a sense of peace that can kind of come with that. And it's a beautiful thing, and there's a sense of kind of calmness, things have slowed down maybe in your world a little bit, and you've just kind of got this slice, this moment that you're focused on. But this Prince of Peace, this title that's given to Jesus, actually means so much more than just tranquility and just calmness. Uh, It's greater than that. It's bigger than that. And that's what I want us to kind of look at tonight. So again, this prophecy in Isaiah, uh, we read about a little while ago, this idea, okay, this would be a child is born to you, a son is given. And Christmas is a lot about what you give, and and that's okay. We can enjoy that part of it. But what we want to kind of sink our teeth in and kind of reminisce about a little bit is everything that we have been given that this government will be on his shoulders. Not a government like we think of, but a reign, a sense of power and control and authority would be, that he would be named a wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting, eternal father. And we looked at that the first week, this wonderful counselor. Counselor is someone you listen to, someone that you kind of lean into their words. They speak life into you and help you live the best possible life. And we simply said, listen, whoever you listen to the most, that is your greatest counselor. So the question to wrestle with is, who are you listening to the most? We live in a culture that has lots of voices, don't we? We are not short on opinions in our culture. We're not short on people's voice that want to speak into your life. And and the quest for us is maybe one who has said yes to Jesus, fallen after him, is are you listening to his voice? Are you listening to what he has to say about life? And maybe if you're just on a spiritual journey, are are you listening to the right voices? that can kind of speak life into you and over you and through you in that way. That Jesus came as this mighty God to put God the Father on display, the creator of all the heavens and the earth. He is, and he came to put that on display. That We even looked at this idea that the whole Old Testament has over 100 different prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, and the likelihood of that is just astronomical. There's no way to put a number to it even of him fulfilling. We even looked at this idea of him fulfilling eight of those prophecies. It's astronomical. 
and yet over a hundred plus that speak about his will and his authority, the power that he displayed in his life. No one questions who Jesus is and what he had to, to say about life. They may question and say, I don't want that to be a part of my life, but no one questions the historical reality and the impact that he had in our world still today. Why? Because God's power was flowing through him. Even through the cross and the resurrection, that he would be the eternal father. This idea that we could have a fatherhood, we talked about last week, this idea of spiritual adoption, that we get adopted into God's forever family through faith in Jesus. And we may not know what all that looks like, but this beautiful reality that God walks with us in life. And today, this Prince of Peace, I wanna look at three quick things that speak about this, that this child Jesus is revealer of God as the securer of peace for us. And this, he becomes the provider of peace, three different things, a provider of peace, securing us a new standing before a holy and perfect God. At the same time, he also enfolds us into being people of peace, that not just this vertical peace that we get with God, but this horizontal impact that it has on the relationships around us, that the church, as followers of Jesus, we should have it impacting and influencing the relationships to the people to our left and right, people at work, and people at school, and people in our own family, that it should impact and have an influence there, and that we get to invite people in our world to say, hey, have you ever considered that maybe there's a way to have a relationship with you and God have you ever thought about that that might even be a reality and a possibility? And the thirdly, this idea that we're given a permanent possession of God's peace that walks with us in the everyday part of life. Now, that may seem almost too good to be true in a world filled with sales pitches and promises that fall flat and become unfulfilled often. There is one who is never over-promised and under-delivered, and that's Jesus. He constantly comes through and says, what I have promised will come to be and will come to be to pass. And that's what we see in this prophet Isaiah saying these words 680 plus years before Jesus ever shows up. And then we see his life. This idea of prince of peace. A Hebrew understanding of peace is this word shalom. Carol mentioned that. This word shalom is, is bigger than just tranquility or calmness. This idea of shalom has a holistic sense to it. it. It means not simply psychological ease, but a holistic sense of fulfillment and well-being and flourishing. In fact, one author who wrote a book um, talked about this, not the way it's supposed to be, kind of looking at our world and the way God said this is the way it's supposed to be. Here's how he kind of unpacks the word shalom. He says, it's a dreaming of a new age in which human crookedness would be straightened out, rough places made plain, the foolish would be wise and the wise humble. They dreamed of a time, the prophets would be, that the deserts would flower, the mountains would run with wine, weeping would cease, people would not have to go to sleep with weapons in their laps, people would work in peace, and work would be fruitful and have a fruitful effect. Lambs would lie down with lions. All nature would be fruitful and filled with wonder. All humans would be knit together in brotherhood and sisterhood. All nature and all humans would look to God, walk with God, lean toward God, and delight in God. Now, if you just hear that description, think about it. Wouldn't you want more of that? Like, wouldn't you want the world to have more of that? Because the reality, I mean, we all see the news. <laughs> we all see reality that transpires around us. So we look and say the hostility and the anger and the frustration in our world, the, the disappointment in a lot of ways, the irritation in others, 
the deficiency in some areas, the extravagance in others. And we look at this idea and say, it just doesn't feel like it should be. And yet this shalom, this kind of peace that God longs to bring is what he longs to work through the church, what he longs and one day will make right and bring to completion as Jesus returns. Now, this Prince of Peace has got to begin somewhere, and where he has to begin is the biggest problem and issue of uh, angst that exists. And that biggest problem is the fact that you and I, in our humanity, in our brokenness, and we, I think we'd all admit to our brokenness, we would say, look, before a perfect and holy God, we're, we're not. Like, we're pretty far from that. I think we could all agree on that. Then I, I know I'll raise my hand. I'm not perfect. And I think we would see that there's this gulf between us and a perfect and holy creator. And that we have this enmity between God and our sin that we war against God. That our natural condition, apart from the grace of Jesus, is that we're kind of naturally against God and against his ways. Paul writes this in Romans. He says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not to submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. It's kind of against that whether we're fully aware of it or not, we have this deep-seated internal hostility toward God even in our fallen world, in our fallen position as a human being. It's kind of like if you've ever had a falling out with someone and you've seen them at the grocery store. You know this feeling, right? You go around the corner, you see them, and you go, oh. And you kind of go to the next row. Come on, am I the only one? Yeah, I'm among friends. Uh, The reality is that as a mature adult, we would get to the place where we could deal with that tension, but more often than not, we want to avoid that tension. And so we say, well, I'm going to go to row eight because I'm in row uh, five right now, and I need to move on. And so we have this tension that exists, and this reality is that this tension exists between a perfect and holy God and us and our brokenness and our own humanity that we have this hostility. But see, it gets worse. What? This is Christmas message. Yeah, stay with me. The scripture also says that not just in our sin are we against God, but that God is actively against us. Whoa. That we are not only hostile to him, but God is against us because of our sin. Why? Because he's perfect and holy. See, God is love, yes, but he is more than that. He is perfect and he is holy and he can't stand sin. He has to deal with that. And so the reality of what we see in the celebrate in Christmas, the fact that Jesus came, was not just to be our buddy, but to actually deal with something that we had to deal with that you could never solve and I couldn't fix. It's only something he could do. Why? Because he's the commander. He's the prince of peace. And he could create a path and a way for us to have peace between our broken humanity and a perfect and holy God. Paul talks about this in Romans. He says in Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that we have this peace between God. You see, at just the right time, I'll put in Christmas, because that's the reality of what we're celebrating. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9 goes on, since we have been justified by the blood of Christ, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were still God's enemies, he reconciled us through the death of his son, how much more would he reconcile us as we've been saved through his life now? 
We are not only just an enemy of God in our natural condition, apart from the grace of Jesus. See, that's why the cross of Christ isn't optional, it's absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary. And that's what Jesus came to do. That's what Jesus accomplished and only he accomplished, is to say, I will make a way for you to have peace between broken, sinful humanity and a perfect and holy God. That I will be that bridge. It's not, it's not gonna come because God ignores sin or makes light of it or letting bygones be God, bygones or overlooking things or playing nice or by moving on and not holding grudges. The only way peace with God comes is when God deals with sin head on and says, I will solve this for you. That's what we read about in Isaiah 53. Toward the end, it's describing Jesus again. Some 600 years before, it says this, surely he took upon him our pain. He bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished, stricken, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and his punishment brought us, what, peace. Brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus is the one that we celebrate at Christmas that came on a mission to be the prince of peace, the ultimate commander and leader of something that you needed to have accomplished and something I needed to have accomplished. That he took the pain and he took the brokenness and he took our sin, our mess, our stuff and said, I will make a way for you to have a right relationship with God through faith in me. Just like you sat down in that chair tonight, you didn't think, oh, I hope this chair holds me up. You just sat down. You had faith in that chair. That's what faith is. It's putting faith in something other than yourself to solve the greatest problems that exist before you. And that, that separation. So not only has Jesus made a way for us to have a perfect and right relationship with a perfect and holy God, that our vertical relationship with God gets solved, but now that begins to have a trickle effect, the second part, this idea that begins to trickle down into our relationships around us, our horizontal relationships, the people sitting right next to you, the family that you're gonna hang out with the next couple days, the people you're gonna be around, that if we can enjoy peace with God because of what Jesus has done and our faith in him, then that begins to have a trickle effect of how we relate one to another. The church is meant to be a place of peace, now listen, is that perfect and easy? <laughs> no. Here's what I'm convinced of, though. I'm becoming more and more convinced that in the hostility of the world in which we live, and we all see it, that as the church begins to live as peacemakers, living out authentic, real relationships that deal with tension and resolve it and move through it in a healthy and holy way, that as we do that, it puts on display to a watching world that's engulfed by hostility and anger, that begins to see something different. And it's not different because we're awesome. It's only different because Jesus paved a way for us to have peace with God, and now we get to experiment and learn how it, what it means to have peace one to another. And that's hard work. It's forgiveness. It's seeking the best for someone else and not just for yourself. And as people begin to live this way, it begins to have a ripple effect in the kingdom and a ripple effect in the world that people would say, hey, how do you live that way? See, Paul wrote this in Ephesians. For he himself is our peace 
who has made the two groups one, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles here, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility that existed, and he's brought us together. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit, is to bring his people, his church, the folks who call Jesus, hey, you're the Lord and Savior of my life, you're the leader of my life, I want to live more and more like you. And as we do that, as we live that way, as we live that way one to another, it begins to have an effect to a watching world that says, this is so different than the world in which I see and the world in which I navigate, that we begin to have, be people, that as we embody peace in our relationships, we get to proclaim peace to a world that needs it. Our Prince of Peace has enfolded us into being peacemakers, folks who will echo the call for us to have a restored relationship with God, that we would say to a world, hey, you can begin to live and experience this, but it starts with having a relationship with God. And there's only one way that happens, and that's for you to find the Prince of Peace, not a philosophy, not a teaching, but a person, the person of Jesus, who made a way for us to have a relationship with him and has given us what Paul writes as the ministry of reconciliation. Here's what he says, 2 Corinthians. All this is from God, meaning it's not about you, it's not about how awesome you are, it's about what God's doing in your life and what he's doing through your life. He has reconciled to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore as Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Get this relationship right, and it begins to affect and have effect into the relationships around you. It begins to make a difference to a watching and a world that, that needs it, that craves it, and can't find it anywhere else. And so this employee is to say, I want to be a person that not just has this right relationship with God, because that really is the first question, friends. Have you ever done that? Peace must begin between us and our broken humanity and God and his perfection. And that's through faith in Jesus. And if you've never come to a place where you've said yes to him, tonight I would just encourage you to say yes to the next step. You don't have to have it all figured out, but just be open to the idea of pursuing that. What would that look like? What would it look like to say yes to one step closer to investigating who Jesus is? That you might experience this peace and then it might begin to have an infiltration into your horizontal relationships and people with you. See, peace, again, is this idea of shalom and flourishing and, and, and it's so hard to get our mind around. In fact, I want you to think about um, a peaceful scenario, okay? So if I were to say to you, picture yourself in the most peaceful scenario you can think of, right? So if you want, if it just takes you 30 seconds to close your eyes and think about, okay, when I say the word peace, what scenario or situation, circumstance, setting do you find yourself in? Because one author asked his audience to do that. And he said, just close your eyes and think about the mental picture of peace. And then he had people describe what that was. I won't have you do that. But he began to get people's reaction to this. As one person described it as a field of flowers and beautiful trees. Another person said that he spoke of the snow-capped mountains and incredible alpine landscape. Still another described the scene as a beautiful still lake surrounded by mountains. Anyone identify with those images? That's a place of peace. After everyone had described their mental pictures of peace, there was one thing in common with all of them. There were no other people. 
what? Isn't it interesting that when we're asked to imagine peace, that the first thing we do is eliminate people? Maybe all of us have a little bit more Thanos in us than we think. Or that we want to admit to. That when we think of a peaceful setting, it's really just us and no one else. But here's the fascinating thing about the Prince of Peace. As Jesus came, not only did he deal with the hostility between us and God, and he wants to make a path and a bridge for us to have a right relationship, to be at peace with God, but he wants to begin to empower us to begin to have relationships that flow with this anchor of peace in them. It doesn't mean perfection. But this third thing is that he wants to bring this ever-present peace no matter the circumstances that we face. That everywhere we go, whether we're in a, a time in life that's really great or whether we're in a time in life that's really struggling, challenging, that his peace can meet us there. This peace is describing this prophecy of Jesus that he is the prince of peace, is that he is an ever-present peace in our lives. Listen, his peace may or may not change your circumstances, but it will always change you, no matter what circumstances are going on around you. That that's what the Prince of Peace longs to bring, not just peace between you and God and peace with you and one another, but the sense of ever-present God's peace in your life, this peace that you can enjoy, that Christ is not circumstantial. It doesn't depend on our circumstances being right. It's not a, a case of the Prince of Peace is going to fix everything and make everything better and everything is going to be rosy. It's almost certainty that we will still have conflict and difficulties and hardships in life, broken relationships that we have to navigate. The Prince of Peace doesn't come and promise perfection in this life. What he does promise is that this deep, personal, spiritual peace, even in the midst of the troubles and struggles of life, that as we face that, we never face it alone. It's what Jesus said in kind of this farewell discourse before he ascended back to heaven after the resurrection. And he said to his followers, listen, my peace I give you. My peace isn't like the world. It isn't based on circumstances being right. My peace will travel with you. He says this in John 16, 33, that in this world you will have trouble. Thanks, Jesus. That's awesome. What a great pep talk. No, no. In this world you're going to have trouble. But you can take heart because I've overcome this world. And my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. This Prince of Peace promises his presence with his followers, those who have trusted in him, this kind of peace that steadies us even in the storms, this kind of peace that sustains us, the kind of peace that you need when your world kind of gets tilted a little bit, when circumstances rise up and begin to choke out a little bit of the life that you have and you begin to struggle to understand what's going on. It's the kind of peace that Christians have always sung about. Way back to the ancient hymn, you think of this, it is well with my soul, not ancient, but older, this idea the hymn writer writes, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow is like sea billows roll, meaning they're coming in, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Why? Because the Prince of Peace is with us. I love what Dallas Willard says this. He says, peace is not the absence of conflict. It's shalom, what we read about earlier. It's this fullness of life right where you're at. 
This peace is a rest of the will that comes from divine assurance about how things will turn out. Meaning, in short, God's got you. God's got you. No matter what transpires in life, God's got you. That's what this presence, this ever-present sense of peace, this promise that this Prince of Peace brings, that he is always with you. That's why Paul writes in Philippians, you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let God know what you need. Present your request to him, and listen, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In Greek, literally, this idea of guard your heart is like this samurai warrior who stands guard over your heart and your mind. You don't have to be overrun by anxiety. You don't have to be overrun by what-ifs of life. The Prince of Peace promises his presence forever with you. Not only does the Prince of Peace secure us a right relationship vertically with God, it begins to impact and overflow into the horizontal relationships around us, but he says, I'm an ever-present sense of peace with you. That God has you in the palm of his hand. He never drops you. He's never unaware. He's never going to leave you. He's never caught off guard or startled. He's never wavers, never weakens. He is constant. He is mighty. He is sovereign. He is in control. He is big enough. He is patient enough. He is wise enough. And he has well more than enough love for you than you ever need. He's got you. He's got you tomorrow, he's got you next week, he's got you next year, he's got you in the next season, he's got you in the next stage of life, he's got you now, and one day we'll have you forever with him in eternity. He's got you, be at peace. That's the sense of peace that we can have in life. Isaiah writes a few chapters later, for I am the Lord your God, I'm Yahweh your God, who takes hold of your right hand, and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. One of my favorite pictures of Callista and I is this one. Walking on the beach, she's 12 now, she's taller. But one of my favorite pictures, because this picture is Isaiah 41, 13. It's God saying to you and saying to me, listen, Jesus has come that you may have peace in your brokenness, you could turn that into faith in Jesus, and he's got you, he's made peace with the creator of the heavens and the earth, you're fine. And he wants to actually empower you to begin to have peace overflow into your relationships around you. Does that mean it's gonna be perfect? No, does that mean it's gonna be easy? No, but it means he's got enough power and enough grace to pour in that you can overcome that and begin to work toward health and healing in that. And he promises a peace that says, I've got you, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not startled. I don't get weakened. I don't waver. I'm right here. Why? Because he is an everlasting father. Why? Because he is the mighty God. Why? Because he's a wonderful counselor who's got wisdom for what you need. And so here's what I'd love to do. I mean, I've asked Lyle to come back up and just kind of play a little bit and just kind of create a moment here. Um, I know as we move toward Christmas, it is a, a blur the next 24 hours, right? It's gonna feel like a blur. And so I just wanna create a moment right here for you just to kind of sit still and maybe just ask God 
to bring some peace into your life. Maybe there's some things that, that you're struggling with. And so we just want to create a moment, maybe a couple minutes here, that for two different things. One is maybe there's some, some things going on in your life that you feel are your world's kind of tilted out of kilter and, and you're like, God, I need a fresh experience with your peace. And so we're going to ask God just to kind of be real in that moment and just kind of help you, not just tonight in this moment, but in this week to come, that you would sense his peace, that his presence be with you. And so maybe you want to close your eyes and just think about, okay, what is that thing I'm really struggling with? Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's something in a family situation. Maybe it's something even within yourself, something you've been trying to battle back against, and it just kind of keeps raising up its head and taking over. And maybe it's something in a scenario or situation or a circumstance that you're trying to navigate, and you've been trying to do it all on your own, but you just need God to be that prince of peace, to come alongside and to empower you in a fresh and new way. Maybe for some of you who sit here, you're like, man, I've just got some friends that I want them to experience this Prince of Peace that I've found. And the difference that Jesus has made in my life. And I don't know what it's gonna take for the light bulb to come on. I just, I want them to experience what I've experienced. And maybe you just want to take a moment and pray for them, that they would, that somewhere in this season, see, that's the beautiful part of Christmas, is it's a constant invitation to say, see, Emmanuel has come. Jesus is here. And he's come that you might know him as a wonderful counselor, as the mighty God, as him everlasting Father. And it's the Prince of Peace, the provider of peace. So I'm going to be quiet. And I'm just going to give you a moment. What do you need peace with? Ask God to give that to you. Who's on your heart that you want them to experience God's peace? Pray for them.